Hello and welcome. I'm Alice Judge Talbot, author of The Backup Plan, a book that celebrates how to make the best out of Plan B. There are moments in all our lives where we have no choice but to rethink what our future may look like. It's in losing sight of this path that can lead us to discover new versions of success. To celebrate the fact we all have a backup plan, I'll be hearing from guests who have discovered magic in unconventional circumstances and found their own version of success and happiness. Welcome to the backup plan. Before we hear from our main guest, I'm delighted to share a brilliant conversation I had with one of the many incredible sellers from Etsy, the sponsors of this podcast. We'll learn how Etsy has supported their sellers' own backup plans so they can grow their businesses, build their teams and follow their passions. Emma Barnes created Wild Fawn in January 2015 when her love for making and drawing transformed into a passion for working with silver and gold. After work, I just kind of built my Etsy shop up more Mm -hmm. and more. It got to the point where my contract ended Mm -hmm. and they said, do you want to carry on working? Mm -hmm. It was kind of nice to have that deadline where Mm -hmm. I knew that I'd have to make a decision. Definitely one of those things where the more time you put into it, the more you get out of it. What's been your highlight of growing a business on Etsy? I've been able to build Wild Fawn without borrowing any money. Everything I put into it is what money I've made from it, but it's meant that now I've just got my own studio. So that's probably been my proudest moment of Wild Fawn. What has starting your own business given you? I think what's really nice is being so flexible and knowing that every ounce of effort I put into the business Wild Fawn is benefiting from it. So what advice would you give to anyone starting their own business on Etsy? Just not to be scared to do it it's just so easy to start a shop and then you get your first sale and it's just the best feeling ever. It's been such a pleasure to meet you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Cat Sims aka Not So Smug Now is an honest talking breath of Instagram fresh air. Writing about her family life with two daughters and a travelling musician husband, since 2014, Kat's blog, Not So Smug Now, an Instagram page, has become a place of support and solidarity for her close-knit community. Kat juggles her work as a writer and influencer with Hustle & Fox, the creative agency she co-founded, and she recently established the Gift Match initiative, geared towards brand and influencers donated needing items, specifically family items, to those in need. I'm so happy to have Kat's frank and funny brand of straight talking with me here today to cover everything Instagram and mental health based. Welcome, Kat. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's always so funny listening to an introduction that you haven't read and you're like, oh, did I do that? That's yeah, me. I did, that's me. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Well, you know. <laughs> Kat, I always love how real you are on Instagram and I think it's a real antidote to a lot of the skinny tea nonsense that we see, the Kardashian nonsense. Yeah. But to an outsider, your life could look quite polished. You've got a dream life in lots of ways. You live in London, you've got a musician husband, which I think, you know, when, if we're at home looking at our boring accountancy. Oh my God, I'd take an accountant (laughs) any day of the week. Give me an accountant. He could have done your tax return. Um, But it could look mega glam, but you do make an effort to be real about what you do on Instagram. So what made you temper the kind of shiny bits of your life, going to see your husband at the Albert Hall with... With the reality that you present? I mean, it, was, it wasn't a decision to temper it because the reality is that there are shiny bits. Of course mm. there are. I'm very lucky in lots and lots of ways. But there's also a lot of shit in between. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter how glamorous your job looks. I mean, Jimmy suffered this his entire career, really. People going, oh my God, it's what an amazing job and you must be, you must love it and it's so glamorous. And the reality is, 
even if it is five star hotels and you're staying there one night and then it's and it's mm. all work and him being away always puts a massive strain on our relationship so the good bits are great but there's no doubt that the bad bits are are a bit shit and actually those are the bits that I really always want to share the most because mm. they're the bits that are real they're the bits that are actually us day to day and I think people don't do that enough but it wasn't a choice it was just well this is what it is today it's a bit shit so I'm going to talk about that tomorrow Mm -hmm. we're at the Royal Albert Hall doing sound check and and that's just the nature of it Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think it's just I, I couldn't have done it any other way I think even Beyonce probably has got like baby poo under her nails at some Did point. Did you just kind of compare me to Beyonce? Is <laughs> that what just happened? Oh my That's God, I'm exactly taking that. Like... That's literally the highlight <laughs> of my whole life. Um, yeah, that's it. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. it happens to everyone. Of course it is. And motherhood is hard. Parenting mm. is hard. Marriage is really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think if you do have a platform, you're doing a disservice if you're not talking about the hard stuff mm. as well. And how does he feel that you're quite open about your marriage? He's become more open to it recent over the last couple of years. I think initially he was like, absolutely nothing to do with us and the marriage. But I think he sees how I'm honest about everything else. And there's nothing that I ever put out about the marriage that I don't mm-hmm. run by him first. But I do think it's one of those things that people don't talk enough about. People mm-hmm. don't say... Do you know what? I love my husband. Like, I do. I adore my husband. But he drives me nuts. And there have been times recently where we have seriously sat down and gone, do we want to keep doing this? Mm. Like, are two happy houses better than one Mm -hmm. unhappy house? For me, I want to follow people who I can relate to and who I can sort of see myself in a little bit. And if it's too polished, then it's not for me. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting you talk about that polished family picture um, and I'm going to relate that to advertising because obviously that's something that happens a lot now on Instagram. But you see this polished family having a picnic on the beach and everyone's happy, everyone's smiling, holding hands, beautiful kids. And then you see a picnic basket and it's like, oh, having an amazing day on the beach with a wonderful picnic basket from wherever. It's never like... Hashtag ad, hashtag And then hashtag ad. And then you're like, oh, oh, family picnics. We don't have family picnics. Let me buy that picnic basket and my life will be better. But that's nothing new. No. I mean, there's nothing new there. For decades and decades, advertising has been there. It's it's swayed us. We've all been manipulated by it. We've all gone out and bought stuff that we Mm -hmm. didn't need or didn't want. So the fact that it's happening on Instagram is no surprise it's about to come onto whatsapp like this is happening so you can get really angry about it and you can be really annoyed that it's here but it's a reality and it works i just get upset when i buy my picnic basket and then i'm still the same person i know that's the problem (laughs) isn't it it's like you're just buying the picnic basket yeah by the way you're not buying the life it's it's like when you um and i used to do this all the time when i was a kid or like coming into my teenage years i would take pictures into the hairdresser Oh my God, they hate it when you do that, you know. Well, I I remember once I uh, I used to watch Dawson's Creek and I wanted... You didn't? Jen's. You wanted Jen's crop cut, didn't you? Yeah. Uh So I got it. I got it thinking that would turn me into her, that I would go from being a gawky brunette teenager with braces to being blonde Hollywood superstar yeah. and it was so upsetting to me that I left the hairdressers with a really crap haircut that didn't really suit you and didn't I think that's me. interesting like it's not and you and I think it didn't turn me blonde either which no. is weird I know it's not weird <laughs> it's not you and I think this is eventually they'll see through that you know eventually it's just like if we are doing ads I get it it's annoying because we sell ourselves as 
we're one of you. Mm. That's what we do. That's what I do. And that's, you know, like you say, that's kind of part of why I have the following that I have because I've gone, well, I'm normal and this mm. is real and it is. So I understand why an ad in amongst all that can feel jarring. Mm-hmm. I think, again, it's our responsibility to choose the ads that fit, that aren't going to piss people off. Mm-hmm. And just bear in mind that you're there because of what you say, not what you sell. So yeah. you can get away with selling a bit if what you say is always more important. Mm-hmm. So taking it back a bit mm-hmm. to your earlier life, when you were growing up, when you were at school, what did you want to be? I didn't really know. I just knew I was creative. I knew I loved writing. It was reading and English and all of that stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll just go do English lit uh, mm-hmm. with American studies. But I came out of university and sort of and went, I was a fashion buyer at Jaeger. And then I was, um, I decided they weren't paying me enough. And so I went off and did a ski season, mm-hmm. just super privileged and entitled essentially but was but I was 21 and didn't know any better and then my dad said you can't do another ski season you've actually got to get a job so I trained to do teaching and I taught as an English teacher in high school in London for five years oh gosh that must have been fun yeah it was really fun and I loved it but the bureaucracy surrounding it all was uh just soul destroying mm. so I thought this is kind of my MO I was like okay I'll do something else so I ended up being a tour manager and toured with ageing, old, very difficult rock stars. <laughs> Who was harder, the children or the rock stars? The, the rock star. <laughs> 100% the hardest gig I've ever done. Really? And then I obviously fell pregnant. Jimmy was touring. We couldn't both tour. So, And that's kind of when the blog was born. Mm. Purely out of frustration, isolation. I was really struggling with mental health mm-hmm. in the first year. And that was when I thought, I need to start being honest about this. And I very much remember my first blog post being about how it's okay to say you hate motherhood or mm-hmm. that you you are finding it hard and that mm-hmm. it's shit. And I think I posted it onto Facebook and within an hour it had had over 3,000 views, which, you know, it doesn't necessarily seem like a lot now, but at the time for the first blog I'd ever mm-hmm. posted was like, wow, okay, there's something here. And I felt like people really heard it, had wanted to hear it and were kind of grateful that somebody had written it down. So that's kind of where it all started. Quick interruption while I tell you about the most beautiful Rassen coffee table I purchased from Etsy recently. I searched high and low for the right one from your usual high street outlets, but when it came down to delivery, which turned out to be from a local vintage dealer only 30 minutes down the road, I loved the fact this piece of furniture I bought had history. Rather than spending its short life in a warehouse, my new-to-me coffee table began life in the 70s. The thought of the places it's been makes me smile every time I use it. Thanks Etsy for supporting the podcast. What do you think it is about Not So Smug, which is a name that really does sum up how yeah. we probably all feel about motherhood? Because we go into it thinking, and I always I always wanted to be a mum. I was always so desperate yeah. to be a mum. And I became a mum when I was 24. And I was like, this is it. Yeah, this, this is, is my life's nirv- calling. This is Nirvana. Like, I found cancel, my place. Cancel everything. I'm going to bake. Yeah. Like, that, that was me. And it lasted, I think, about three days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think that's a universal feeling that we all get, that we arrive in motherhood and we're sold this tale that motherhood's going to complete us? We're going to have a child. That we're born to do it. We're born to be a mum. Yeah, I think that's exactly the problem. And I think, interestingly, I've just been asked to write an article for a book and I wrote exactly that. And it was, I basically said, look... Whatever you expect motherhood to be, lower those expectations. Delete it. And then then (laughs) lower them again. And just keep lowering them until all you can imagine is you 
lying in bed eating Chinese takeaway naked with a baby. I remember being in, in mother care on day two and just sobbing, mm-hmm. like just absolutely sobbing, screaming at the woman because the bleep of the cash register was way too loud. It was going to wake my baby. I hadn't gone out with a baby bag because I'd never left the house with a baby before, so I hadn't. it didn't even you didn't know you occur to. to me. And just tried to be what I thought a mother mm. looked like and did. And then when I had my second one, I just thought, fuck that. I'm going to get into bed for 10 days mm-hmm. and eat takeaway and watch shit TV and we're going to be naked. And then after that, I'll just go on the sofa for mm-hmm. another 10 days and do do the same thing all over again. But I don't think any any of us can be fully prepared for mm-hmm. the seismic, life-changing shift mm-hmm. that bringing a baby home is. And I definitely struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember very clearly bringing her in from hospital and putting her on the floor in the car seat and li- uh, and literally thinking, what the fuck, what, what do I do? Is this... Is this it? I just think we we sell them, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. we sell them a story of motherhood that mm-hmm. isn't true. And we all believe that we're going to be there in pennies baking cupcakes and, you know, doing crafts. I hate crafts. Mm. And actually, it's just like when people get mad at, at me when I do something wrong or when I make a mistake. Because it's like... They expect me, they've put me on this sort of, and this sounds really obnoxious, but it's, it's like, like you put on this pedestal and you expect, they expect this thing of you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I get that. And, and, I'm, and I'm trying to do it, but essentially I make mistakes and I'm mm-hmm. going to say the wrong thing and I'm going to do the wrong thing. And it doesn't make me an idiot. It doesn't make me a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sorry that I fucked up. But actually, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to do all the right things for you mm-hmm. I'm I'm really I'm doing my own thing and I hope that you like it and if you do then here I am mm. and if you don't then I totally get it fine mm-hmm. absolutely no hard feelings but also I am human and when you like message me and say you're fucking thick as mints or <laughs> you know you're a sociopath then you know that hurts I mean mm. it hurts and I'd love to be able to go oh my god it's just trolls and it doesn't hurt and it is what it is but that actually really Mm-hmm. kicks you in the gut. I saw that that you posted on Instagram this week and I was so surprised just at the viciousness of it that someone had gone yeah. so far out of their way that wasn't a short message and I've been the other end of it too but they really just it was very, very mean-spirited. It was just vicious and it, they said it was someone that follows you, someone that's oh, friends and, Yeah, they said something like, um, oh, and just so that you know, I'm one of your Insta friends. It good luck, to, like good luck guessing guessing it who. It said to or fuck something. you up even more. I think. And normally, I mean, I re- you receive horrible messages quite a lot of the time, and nine times out of ten, I absolutely just block and delete. Mm. It's the only way. But this one was so so awful, and I really struggled actually. And I was like, do I post it because I know that they want the attention? Mm-hmm. Or do I just ignore it? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to post this one because it's so awful. Mm. And I'm interested to see what the reaction is. And also because it really, like, it really kicked me in the gut. Like, I woke up 6.30, checked my phone. That was the first thing I read that day. Like, that's not a great way to kick off your day. Not at all. And I immediately burst into tears. Jimmy's like, what is wrong? Because it feels so big. And it's so personal. So personal. That someone has taken that time to attack you. Yeah, And and it feels big and it's... You know, it made me feel like I didn't want to do it. You know, like, kind of antsy, anxious, Mm. awfulness. And obviously it was in reaction to a post I'd written about how I was struggling with with anxiety at the time. So it was the worst possible time. Mm. But I shared it because as soon as I shared it, 
it became teeny tiny and small. Mm. And so I suppose, you know, that's the argument you share, do not share. For me, sharing that was really helpful. But it's it definitely has had an effect on my mental health. Yeah. Society, though, it definitely cultivates a... Um a feeling that women have to compete to get ahead. And they have of course to... it does, because it's divide and conquer. How yeah. fucking strong would we be if we all got on and worked together as a team? Like, mm-hmm. if we weren't bitching and backbiting all the time, we'd be an unstoppable force. But as it is, we're just... The patriarchy just feeds us all this stuff that we go, well, I hate you for that. Mm. Like, oh, well, she's not... And they divide and conquer. But mm-hmm. we have to be better at mm-hmm. looking after our own team and, and being on our own side. As so, the yeah. mother of girls, how do you think you can make it better for your girls as they're growing up? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's so terrible. Like, I think of social media now and I think being nearly 40 and how I deal with it and how hard it is and it terrifies me to think of how they're g- the stuff they're going to have to mm-hmm. put up with because it's only going to get worse. It's going to get bigger and more intrusive and more open and more accessible and all of those things. So I don't really know. I mean, I guess I just keep going back to the basics and, you know, I've always said I'd rather you were kind than clever. Like, mm. just be kind. Just be kind for the love of God, don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. And and when I think about school and nursery and all of these things that they do, I'm like, essentially, my biggest thing is that they come out and they know how not to be a dick in life. Mm. Like, do you, do what you want to do, just don't be an idiot about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess there's no big answer to that. I just day to day try not to fuck them up too much. I had this recently with one of my kids. He's having a bit of Because uh, yours are slightly older than mine, school. right? Uh, I'm having to really think. Seven and eight. Yeah. Uh, but Hux, who's just turned seven, he doesn't have much interest in school because he is seven and he'd much rather be, you Anywhere know, else. a ninja. Yeah. So he's had a few troubles like with sitting down and concentrating, but it's just because I think of, of the age he is and he's an active boy and he wants to be doing other stuff. And that's fine. And honestly, it doesn't faze me at all that he's having a, a bit of a crappy time with learning because I know he'll get there eventually yeah. and I'll engage him in it. But then the other day he called Elfie, my daughter, a fat pig. And I've got no idea where he's got it from. It's funny, isn't it? I was more... Like, I I didn't mind about school, whatever. That will sort itself out. But you don't be mean like that. Niceness and kindness is just the most important thing that we have. It's the best gift that we have. And I was so upset and horrified that he had used such vicious words at his sister. How does he know that fat is a a negative word to use? Because it's not from me. Yeah. No, I I don't know either. But it's like anything. How did... Why is it that most girls end up wanting to play with dolls and, and wear pink? Like, there's something in the zeitgeist that yeah. just enforces that, no matter how much you battle against mm-hmm. it. I went out my way to do the opposite. And then we recently moved house and Elfie was like, I want a unicorn, I want a pink unicorn bedroom. And I was like, mm. I didn't say this to her, but I was thinking I have done everything I can to not foster this pink is for girls, blue is for boys environment in our house. And I don't know, it's just inherent, I think. I think it is, but I also think it's just, it's like out of the corner of their eye, there's a girl in pink. You know, they absorb it all. And we do, you know, and you can't protect them from that. Mm -hmm. We, I think we on on an individual level can do whatever we can to try and combat it. But essentially, you're up against a much bigger machine. And unless you are really committed and, and really protect them from all of the kind of social stuff that is everywhere which I can't imagine how you would do they're going to fall into those stereotypes mm-hmm. um and and I think it's not necessarily a bad thing I think as they get older that's the time when you can ask them to challenge it they're mm. too young they are what they are and and I think as they get older you can 
point it out to them and say, mm-hmm. you know, you could challenge this or mm-hmm. you could think about this. And you could be a bit different. So it's yeah. like, just because they, they're like that at five doesn't mean it's, you know, they've let the whole feminism side down. <laughs> like, I think we're okay. Um, you just can't fight every battle. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what worries me about parenting these days is that there are fires coming in from every direction. Mm-hmm. And I just think, which fire do I fight first? Yeah. But having said that, I also think, well, I have to leave her to fight some of the fires as well. I just mm-hmm. have to hope that I've equipped her with, you know, the right decision-making process so that she can make good choices. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I, I mean, the, the whole, going back to the whole trolling thing, I think it's sad that we have to accept it mm-hmm. as part of the job, but we can't pitch and moan about it. It's mm-hmm. there and, and we just have to fight it. But... I would just hope, and I know it's not easy for me, but I would just hope that when you get those messages, you can see them for what they are. Mm. And it might take some time, but it they're just there. They're designed to hurt. Yeah. So if that's what they do, then they've done their job. And mm. that's all. It's not about telling truths or, you know. You've touched on the trolling affecting your mental health. Do you think Instagram as a whole has an effect on your mental health? Yeah, for sure. I'd be lying if I said no. And then it's like, well, why don't you just not do it? Mm. Uh which is a really valid question. Uh, and I'd probably have to look into myself a little bit. I really want to give it up. I enjoy it. I mm-hmm. like it. I, I think anybody who doesn't enjoy the fact that there's a lot of people that want to hear what they have to say mm-hmm. is lying to themselves. We're, there's a touch of the narcissist in all of us, for sure. And I think there's a community and connection, which so many of us miss in modern times because we're not connected to the, to our communities in ways that we used to. We don't see people on a daily basis. Like me, yeah. you work for yourself. It's very hard to feel that connection in other places. And I think that is one of the biggest draws to Instagram is that it does connect you to similar people. Yeah, and my relationship with social media isn't that healthy. But then I think it's probably no different to being addicted to work. You know, I'm on my phone a lot for, for work in terms of Hustle and Fox, sort of emails and things like mm-hmm. that. I'm not great at putting that down either. Mm. So I don't really know whether it's something that I can blame social media on, blame it on social media, sorry, or whether I just have to blame myself Mm. a little bit and go, do you know what? I need to really check this Mm. myself. But definitely I do need to have, I'd like to have some time off, but it terrifies me. It really does. Like I'm admitting it, that scares me. I'd love to be able to put my phone down and, and not, document everything Mm -hmm. but then I panic so there are definitely things that I need to look at but you know it's about finding a balance and I don't know where we get that from but we're Mm. all you know we're all an experiment nobody's Mm. done this before we don't know how this is going to turn out we don't know the long-term effects of what we're doing for us or our kids if Mm. we show them on Instagram I'm going to finish by asking you a question I'm asking everyone so if your career was not how it looks today so based on social media writing sharing if money and location and time were no object what would you be doing what would your life look like I'd be writing I just want to write I just want to say I have this dream like I'm in um kind of a lovely house on the beach and it's a bit cold so I'm like wearing a nice rug and it's depending on time of day it might be a glass of red wine or it's a cup of coffee and I'm mm-hmm. literally just writing and there's like dogs mm-hmm. somewhere <laughs> and, and funnily enough no children <laughs> No, I've replaced the children with dogs. That's what I've done. But yeah, that's what I'd be doing. That sounds like heaven. Can I come? Yes. (laughs) Kat, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming to speak to me today. Thank you for having me. So if you're feeling inspired to make the most of your backup plan, great. This is just the start. We'd love to know your thoughts about the backup plan. So please leave us a review and a rating. And for all your weekly updates, hit the subscribe button. Before I go, I want to say a final shout out to the amazing team over at Etsy. 
Head to Etsy.com to buy directly from someone who put their heart and soul into making something special. Until next time.